In this episode, I'm going to be reading chapter 17. Put your mind to rest. Take a deep breath through your nose. Hold it. Relax every everything in your body while exhaling slowly. Another deep breath through the nose. Hold it. Release over every bone in your body. Feel yourself sinking into the bed and listen to the story as it unfolds. August 28, Fort Greenhow, Washington. Sarah went immediately down the tree-shaded street to the confectioners, hoping the woman named Iris would be there. She'd been told that To make the contact, she must ask for some gingerbread, iced. That was the password. Only one other customer was there. It was dinner time in Washington. Sarah waited until he got his purchase, wrapped and left. The woman behind the counter was small and wore her hair in a bun. She must be Iris, Sarah thought, but I must be sure. I'd like some gingerbread, she said. Through spectacles, the woman narrowed her eyes and took Sarah's measure. Yes, iced, Sarah said. It must be iced. She nodded and went into a back room and Sarah had a brief moment of panic. Suppose she could not be trusted and had gone to fetch someone who would then know her as Pinkerton's spy. Would she be arrested and sent over rebel lines? She closed her eyes and told herself Sternly, stop it. The woman soon came back with the cake, wrapped it and handed it to Sarah, who paid her and smiled. You are Sarah then? Yes. How can I help you today? Sheldon, head of the Sturgis Rifles, suspects who I am and asked me to trust him. I must obtain advice. She nodded. A box of cake will come around for you in about an hour. Say you ordered it for Rose. In the cake will be a piece of paper with the answer. Destroy it immediately. Thank you. Sarah rushed from the shop. An hour. That would be well before the evening came, 
before Rose went on her walk. She felt easier in her mind and hoped the answer that came back would be in the affirmative. She found herself hoping she would be allowed to trust Sheldon. To Sarah's surprise, there was another guest in the house when she returned. A woman, short, squat, dark-haired with a clear complexion and a determined jaw, stood at the bottom of the stairs, looking up. Next to her was Lieutenant Sheldon. I'll not have her in Gertrude's room. How dare you put her in Gertrude's room? She was shaking. I'm sorry, Mrs. Greenhow, Lieutenant Sheldon said. I did not approve it. Well, you aren't doing your job if you aren't controlling your subordinates, she near screamed at him. I do not even want her in the house with me. It might have been supposed that my formal social position and that which members of my immediate family still hold in the federal city would have protected me from this attempt to degrade me. There was no intent to degrade you, Mrs. Greenhow. And I'll not have her at the table with me either. I prefer starvation to breaking bread with a woman of the streets. I am not a woman of the streets, the lady in question shouted. Please, both of you, Shelton begged. I shall remedy the situation. We all must learn to endure one another here and make the best of a bad situation. I shall not endure any more than I have to, Mrs. Greenhouse shouted, and keep her away from my innocent little Rose. Besides, she was sent here to spy on me. With that, she turned, dragging innocent little Rose with her. Immediately, the woman who stood next to Sheldon put both hands over her face and started to cry. Sheldon did not know what all to do. He was besides himself. Don't get upset, Sarah implored. Rose insults everybody. She found herself disturbed that someone sent to the house as a prisoner should be insulted and have her things thrown about. The woman was not disagreeable looking, but then neither was she as elegant or pretty as Rose. Her hands came down from her face then, and Sarah saw she'd not been crying, but laughing, although it was in part a desperate laugh. She and I were friends at one time, when my husband was alive. 
Then he became ill and she no longer wanted anything to do with me. What has this war done to people? She calls me a woman of the streets. Is she mad? Shouldn't she be in an insane asylum? Sheldon said, Mrs. Underdonk, this is Sarah Dawson, Rose's maid. Medora, she corrected, call me Medora. Yes, well, perhaps. Sarah, you will keep her settled in the room at the end of the hall. And I'm sorry, Sheldon said as the woman bent to retrieve her things. He took it all upon himself, Sarah minded. He sounded like a considerate host whose guests had started an argument at the table. Sarah helped Medora with her things and brought her upstairs to the small room at the end of the hall. As she settled in, Sarah watched her. Was she a spy sent from Pinkerton? I must rest, Medora said, and she slipped off her dress and sat to remove her shoes. I am not a spy, Miss Dawson. I know what I am. I'm not proud of it. Or of what I've had to do to survive. Since my husband died, he left me in debt, you see. Afterward, I was befriended by many men. Rose is angry with me, you see, because many of my men friends are also hers, only she entertained them to get information from them. And I'm suspected by the government now and put here because those men had to do with Rose. I'm tainted by the same brush, but if they ever find what they are looking for here, if the names of those men are written down at all anywhere, it will clear me. Until then, I suppose I must stay. The woman was straightforward and her manner without self-pity. Sarah thought how much better a person she was than Rose. Yet, Rose went about queening it up. Sarah decided that she liked her. She decided that Medora was referring to Rose's diary. Finding it would be the most important thing she could do, she told herself. But she had never before imagined that it would be of help to anyone but the government. Little less than an hour later, the cake came from the confectioners, delivered by a small negro boy who reminded Sarah of Nubin. And with a pang, she realized how much she missed him.
and Dr. Hammond, as well as the simple, uncomplicated life she'd been leading before in the army. The bag had her name on it, and it was to be delivered only to her. The little negro boy insisted, and so she was summoned to the door by the Sturgis guard and immediately took the cake to the kitchen. No one was there. Supper hour was over and Rose was upstairs dressing for her walk with her guards. She had to cut the cake open in several places before she found the paper. When she took it out, she was surprised at the measure of her disappointment. You were told about Sheldon. It said simply, trust no one. Give away your position to no one. Do your best. She did not recognize the handwriting. Alone with the written rebuke, she wanted to cry. She felt slapped. Trust no one. She ripped the note into tiny bits and put it into the stove. Rose and little Rose were coming down the stairs, dressed for their evening stroll. Lily McCall was with them. Rose nodded to Sarah and the child happily skipped along. It will be so good to get out into the air, Rose was saying. Come along, child. Washington is lovely in the dark. Sheldon had gone upstairs to see that Medora was still resting. No one else was now in the house. He came back down, removed his coat, undid his cravat and set them aside. From the kitchen, he fetched some tools. Then he and Sarah stood staring at each other. Where do we start? He asked. I've been studying on the riddle, Sarah said. Yes. She repeated the last line softly, giving every word weight. You'll know my tears make one. Then she put her foot on the first step. Right here, this one, is it? She says one. Sheldon grinned at her. That's good, he said. Very good, but... And he hesitated. But what? It's too easy. She could mean the first step at the bottom or at the top. Sarah sighed. I hadn't given that much thought. Well, we'd best get to work then and try both. But what will we do about the carpet? If Rose sees it's been cut, she'll know. We'll go at the step from the sides. It won't touch the carpet, see? He took her arm and led her to one side of the steps 
in the hole. Right here, I'll cut a hole in the wood. How? I spent hours watching the carpenter on our plantation. He said, he lived on a plantation. He blushed, yes, in Maryland. He was embarrassed and would say no more about it. He must come from quality, Sarah decided. And he doesn't want to flaunt it. But that would explain the expensive Irish linen shirts and the gallant manners. And yes, he must have watched someone to learn to do what he did. First, he tapped the bottom step with his fist, listening to the sound of it. Then he went up to the top step and tapped that. The bottom doesn't sound as hollow, he said, and he proceeded to drill a hole in the side of the bottom step. We don't have much time, he said, but an hour is enough. Patiently, he worked while Sarah kept watch at the front windows and spoke once to the guard outside to make sure he gave them sufficient warning if the rose was seen returning too soon. But Sheldon had given orders to his men to keep her out even longer than an hour if possible. And well, before the time was up, he was asking Sarah to come over and kneel down and thrust her hand into the hole he'd made because it was smaller than his. She did so, lying on her stomach on the floor, fumbling around inside the step and then her hand came upon something. I've got it. I've got something. Anyway, yes, it feels like leather, a book. It's flexible, but I'll have to try to fold it over to get it out the hole. More struggling. Her hand did not have enough leverage, but she kept trying. Finally, she managed to fold over the slender leather volume, but pulling it out of the hole was something else. Twice, she dropped it and had to get a grip on it again. The third time she managed to bring one end of it through the hole. It was red leather. It was very good leather. It was Rose Greenhouse Diary. A thrill went through Sarah as she rifled through. Here were names, dates, entries. Here were all the secrets of the spy that her government wanted to know. She looked at Sheldon. He gave her an impassive look back. Move aside it, you want to look. I have to get this step back together. Sarah closed the book and sat back, watched as he worked. 
forming in her mind what she must do next. All the mess was cleaned up and the tools put away. Sheldon stood, admiring his finished work. I can give it to the provost marshal, as I'm supposed to do, he said, or you can have it to do with what you need to do. I was only helping you with your job, she told him. I have no need of it. I don't need to do anything. She summoned forth the metal to meet his brown eyes with all the innocence she could manage. Sarah wasn't coquette. She never had cause to be, but something inside her, some woman thing, gave her the ability to do it. All right then, Sheldon replied. All right, I'm sorry I accused you of needing it, and I appreciate your help. I'll get this right to the provost marshal's office. She felt loath to let the precious diary go, but there was something more she had to say if she wanted to protect it. Your men will be proud of you, she told him. He gave her a quizzical look and went out the front door. Sarah had protected the diary. She now must get through to her contact that Sheldon had it, and if it was not turned in to the provost marshal's office, he would be in trouble, for his men would know he had it. He'd have to tell them, for she'd hinted she would if he didn't. He could not destroy the diary if he was working for Rose or the Confederates. Sarah felt ashamed. This was a dirty, dangerous business. People got hurt, sure, as if they'd been hit on the field of battle. How she longed for that battlefield now. For that good, honest confrontation where you could see your enemy, where you could take aim and fire at them in God's good sunlight. Look at Medora, once a friend of Rose. Look at what was going on between herself and Sheldon. It was as if they were locked in some dark waltz and the music would not stop. Sadly, all good things must come to an end, so I bid you good night, sleep tight, and don't let the bed bugs bite.